when I was thinking about what part of the Bible we should look at as a congregation this term, I'd also been looking at another sacred document, which was the roadmap to reopening that the state government had just released, and I was looking very carefully at that. And I was thinking about how much the season that we're entering into now, when we're getting out of lockdown and back into normal life, feels a bit like entering into the promised land. Uh, you know, we've been told if we trust, if we keep, for, keep the faith, if we go forward, eventually we will arrive at the land flowing with milk and honey when you can have people in your house again and you can sit down in a coffee shop and drink a coffee again and perhaps even have 30 people over for Christmas. So I thought it's helpful to think about the journey to the promised land and how the people of Israel went through that journey as we read in these chapters of Exodus 15 to 20. Where were these people headed and what happened to them along the way? And I hope that if we do this, if we look through these stories as we have in the last month, we can map our own journey at the moment, which is a real one with ups and downs, onto our relationship with God as well and understand in a bigger picture what it's like to go through this kind of season as God's people. And see this experience that we have at the end of 2021 as part of the bigger picture of our Christian lives and how God works with us. Because we are on a journey, aren't we? And it's a journey that has ups and downs and stops along the way and things that are worth knowing about and marking. Now, like a lot of community leaders, uh, last year I came across a diagram like this one which talks about um, the different phases that communities go through when they experience collective disasters. And that definitely applies to us, doesn't it? We've been through these things. Uh, it's actually just a matter of deciding which disaster we want to think about. Um, is it the bushfires, you know, the, the pandemic, perhaps the earthquake, or the storms and all the things that we've been through with that? Um, so 2021 is kind of a disaster sampler plate. You can choose your own disaster that you'd like to think about, isn't it? Um, but just taking the big overall issue we've been through, the pandemic, of course, the general experience that people have is in that kind of scenario, initially, once things kind of hit, the community will band together heroically to face it as one. And we go through a period when everyone believes we're all in this together. Does that sound familiar to you? And how wonderful we are and great we are is we're going to work together to overcome this. And this is called the honeymoon phase. And people feel really good about each other and about the situation. But as things go on, unfortunately, we get tired, we get frustrated, we get disillusioned with our leaders and with each other, and our morale and our cohesion plummets to the bottom. Again, is this familiar? And once a community reaches that point, though, then we can come to terms with the experience and what we've lost and the grief around it um, and realistically start to rebuild and move towards uh, a new beginning on the other side, the called reconstruction. And that can take years, and as you can see, there's ups and downs and setbacks along the way. And it's helpful to think about that this is probably the kind of process that we're going through, and um, you can probably determine where do you think we are at the moment in this particular process in the COVID-19 outbreak. I think we're probably somewhere heading up from the bottom at the moment. So the reason I point this out is that it highlights that this kind of journey is a process that a community goes through together, identifiable experiences and seasons along the way. And the journey of the Israelites from Egypt to the promised land of Canaan was also a process which is very similar to this one. Um, they went through a similar trajectory, and we've seen that in the past few weeks as we've looked at these stories. So when they left Egypt, they were really pumped, particularly after the crossing of the Red Sea, as you would be. They felt really great about what God was doing. We're out here, we're his people, we're going forward, it's triumph. 
But then, as we've seen, the difficulties that they experienced in the wilderness on that journey, the long journey, brought their morale down. They started complaining about their leaders. They started whining about how they wanted to go back to Egypt, how things were better back then. They were looking for a new normal. Um, and they had to learn how to move forward with God into their new beginning, and that took a lot of time. And that new beginning, though, comes in, in a couple of weeks when they get to Mount Sinai, which we'll read about, when they receive the, the Ten Commandments, the covenant from God, and this new life that they're going to take into the promised land with them. I think sometimes we wrestle with the reality that God doesn't do things as quickly as we would like. We'd like things to be immediately better and to change. So we'd like immediate growth, immediate healing, immediate uh, turnarounds in, in our experiences. We, and we don't see that. And God just doesn't exercise power in the way that we want and bring things where they, we'd like them to be straight away. But I think that what we've seen over the last month with these stories in Exodus, as Jerome and Vivian have described, is that the journey... Through the, this journey through the wilderness is not an obstacle to God's purposes being completed for these people. The journey is the point. The journey is what they need to go through. It's through journeying with God through this wilderness that God's people are actually learning who God is. And they are learning who they are. And they are learning what they need to do to be God's people. When they do arrive at the promised land, they're going to be the kind of people that God can live with there because they've learned through this journey. And I think I can say for us, when we actually arrive at the post-COVID world, because of the journey we've been on to get there, we'll hopefully be the kind of people that God can work with in this new world, in this new season. So today we arrive at this short story in Exodus 17 of the battle that the Israelites had with the Amalekites at Rephidim, or which is at Massar and Meribah, which we read about last week, which was they were resting by a spring of water that came from the rock as Moses struck it. Now, there are lots of battles that are described in this, these books of the Old Testament as the people came into the land. And generally, I think it's not a war, they're not war stories, though. Generally, they're supposed to be taken, as we read them, as lessons that people were learning about the spiritual life, about faith in God. And that's how they were interpreted then, and that's how Christians have often read them. And so we see this story as an example of, a of what we're supposed to learn about our relationship with God. And so we see here, as we read, that Moses sees this battle has happened and he sends Joshua down to fight the battle. But what Moses does is he goes up to the top of the hill overlooking, he takes Aaron and her with him, and he holds up his hands with the staff he has in them. And when he holds his hands up, the battle goes well for the Israelites, and when he lowers them down, things start to go badly to the point where they realise they have to keep him up the whole time. And you can imagine how tired you'd get after several hours of that. So Aaron and her end up holding his hands up to the end of the day. And Joshua wins his battle. So why is this story here? What's going on? What's it about? I think what we know about then, about this journey to the promised land from previous stories, is that the point of these experiences they're having is that the Israelite people learn to trust in the Lord. They learn to trust in the Lord and to be people who draw their power, their strength, their inspiration, their nourishment itself from the Lord. That's what they're learning. And Moses stretching out his hand or his staff is often a symbol of that trust that they're learning and God's power at work. You see, uh, he stretched his hand and his staff out over the Red Sea and the Lord parted it for them. He struck the rock at Massa Meribah with his staff and the water came out. And he holds up his hands and his staff over this battle. 
And the point of this is that it is the Lord's power that is doing the things for these people, and seen, it's seen to be the Lord's power. So Moses and these people are actually just recipients of God's provision, his protection, and his blessing. There's a key verse in Exodus 14, chapter 14, which they, which they hear a word from the Lord as they were waiting to be attacked by the Egyptians after crossing the Red Sea. And they hear this word to them, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And it's the same issue here in this battle with the Amalekites. What's going on as Joshua fights the battle below is actually really about what's going on above as Moses is still before the Lord and trusting in him. Holding up his hands in prayer until the victory is won. And I think this is the reason why this story is here. It's the learning that it gives to these people. That the battles and struggles that the people of God have are not about us being strong and fighting well. But about the attitude of trust and surrender to God that we learn and have in the middle of those experiences and allowing his power to work. And so Moses overcomes the Amalekites here through this steadfast attitude of trust in the Lord and even a painful attitude of trust over time. He can't just hold his hands up for a few minutes and it works. He is continually doing it to the point that he needs the support of his friends to finish. And I think we can see the relevance of this if we see the actual struggles to which this story might apply as followers of Jesus in our own lives. Um, not many of us have engaged in military battles, um, but... What we find, I think, though, is that our life in general is a journey and there are lots of battles and struggles along the way that constantly come upon us, aren't there? There are all sorts of things that happen. We have temptations that come upon us to push us to do or pull us to do things that are not right. We have the chaotic and confusing environments that we live in and work in where things happen seemingly randomly to derail our plans. We have times of grief, of loss, of disappointment, of despair, sadness and fear. Constant battles. We have serious setbacks and oppositions from other people, sometimes sadly people who have been our friends. And we do have external opposition in the world and from the spiritual realm trying to tear us down. That is the reality and that is the battles that we fight every day as Christian people. And we're headed to the promised land as Christians. Our promised land is the kingdom of God that's coming, the resurrection life, which comes after this. But the journey to it, towards that, it's a hard one. There's a lot of battles along the way, as there were for the Israelites. And I think we can find those battles can hardly ever be won through being really strong or being really smart. In fact, if we try that, things get worse. The lesson that Moses at Rephidim gets us to ask is how do we actually endure and fight in these battles that God has put before us? And I think there are two levels to think about this. We think about Joshua's, Joshua's experience and Moses's. So if you think about Joshua down in the battle, he is actually fighting. He, he and the Israelites have got their weapons out. So what does it mean to actively resist in the fight, in the battles that we, and the struggles we come across? We can see, of course... This uh, being reflected by the Apostle Paul when he reflects on the spiritual warfare and the battle that Christians fight in this famous passage in Ephesians chapter 6, that we fight with the weapons that God has given us in an active way. So he says to them there in this letter, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you can stand your ground. And you put on the belt of truth, you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you put on the feet with the, uh, that comes with readiness of the gospel of peace, take up the shield of faith and all those things. So these are the spiritual battle that's being fought. There are weapons, there are active things that people can do. Now we've talked about those a number of times. It's a very common topic and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. So the spiritual battle and the struggles that we fight as God's people can be fought in an active way. But I think in this story today we can see there's actually another level here which is actually a deeper one about this warfare, which is the struggle that Moses goes through as opposed to the struggle of Joshua. Moses in his battle does not bring out a weapon at all. He does not bring out a weapon at all. He is instead just purely surrendered to God and seeks his presence in the middle of this fight. That's what holding up your hands signifies, doesn't it? I'm open to God. I am seeking you, give me what I need. He has a staff in his hand, that's just a symbol of it. And so this is this underlying attitude of trust, of perseverance and hope, and that's what makes the battle below successful, not how great Joshua is with the weapons that he has. And we can perhaps see parallels even between Moses in this story and Jesus himself on the cross. Jesus was fighting a battle, the ultimate battle, of God's people on the way to the promised land when he went to the cross. But he didn't do that by fighting. He did it by giving himself completely over to his father and his purposes. He raised his hands up till the victory was won. For me, the most striking part of this story, it's Moses' perseverance in holding up his hands until the battle is finished. We can imagine the pain of maintaining that stance over time. Of course, he had help by the end. He would probably have been helped in this by making sure that he'd been doing his arm exercises beforehand. Would have lasted a bit longer before needing to be helped if he'd been getting and doing his resistance training every day in preparation for this. Uh, as we've been going through these stories, Jerome's been asking us about the practices that we have that sustain the things that we need to do on the way to the promised land and the things that we learn about God and about um, his, his plan for us. Because this journey, as we know, it's about learning who God is, it's learning who we are, and it's about giving our lives over to him. And so we learn those lessons every day, and we're supposed to re keep repeating those learnings as we go on. And I was thinking, what practice could you have that would embed what Moses was doing of handing over his battles to God? And one that I might suggest is the practice of what they call the daily examine. It's an old Christian practice. What it means is... It's essentially what, you, what we do is we do a daily review with God at the end of the day of what has happened in our experience with God that day. Reflect through every event that's happened from beginning to end and identify where have I seen God at work and where have I experienced being far away from God and giving in to temptation or struggle or being in the midst of that dark time the ups and the downs of the day, the blessings and the battles, to be aware of the fact that that's what's happening because it can, all, can be a minute-to-minute -minute or an hour-to-hour -hour experience of our, our struggle and our journey with God. And so, if, yeah, if we do this, we realise how constant the struggle can be. And having done that then, we then give over that whole day and the day to come to God's presence and his will for us and say, I'm 
asking you, Lord, to be with me and to support me as I face the next day. I'm aware that you've been with me. And so that's a practice. And I think that if we did this daily, it'll make us easier to do it in the long run as we go on this journey through our whole lives with him and as a community together too. So as I close my reflections, um, for the rest of our service and for the rest of the day, I'd like to invite you to enter into a greater awareness now of what God's presence is with you at the moment. Where are we at with this struggle, experiencing his goodness, experiencing the need for his strength? If you are in the midst of the battle, we might even want to put the weapons down for a minute and just lift up our hands to God and rest with him. And wait with him for his victory. Because remember, this is the word that was given to the people of Israel in the fight. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Let's pray. Lord, we are all individually and as a group as a community, as a world, on a journey with you and one in which there are many trials. We pray in the midst of our struggles at this season that you would lift us up, that we would seek your presence, that you would help us to be still and that you would come, that you would win our battles for us. We thank you that in Christ the battle over victory, battle over sin and death has been won already. I pray for all of us here that we would know your calm and presence and peace and that we would move forward with you on the journey upon which you're calling us. In Jesus' name, amen.